the actual process itself was quite stressful because the broker I worked with made a couple of catastrophic errors that fortunately my accountant fixed, and that was the inspiration for starting a better brokerage. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, this is Michael Vizi from the 10K Collective Podcast, a subset of the amazing FBA podcast family. And this one's for six, seven, eight figure Amazon business owners. Now, today we're talking about the bit when you stop being a business owner because you've sold it to somebody. So life after exit, really important topic that I don't think is discussed enough because quite rightly, we're all focused on selling our businesses for seven figures and enjoying the crusades in the meantime. That's all very well and good, but what next? What about the happily ever after part of your fairy story? Today, we're talking with Ben Leonard of Econ Brokers. Ben built and sold an Amazon private label slash custom product business within three years, which is mind blowing. I happened to meet him before and was part of that journey. And then since he's gone on to create a fantastic brokerage with a very expert partner, Alison Walker, to help other people to exit their businesses as well. So perfectly placed to talk on the, on the subject. Ben, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. So where are you coming to us uh, from today? Sunny Scotland, northeast Scotland, where yeah. the sun is always shining. Yeah. <laughs> Said with great irony. I'm in yeah. London and that's famous to be famously rainy, but I don't think it's quite as rainy as uh, Scotland. But uh, beautiful part of the world, but uh, not necessarily the classic place for an entrepreneur. I guess we ought to just quickly deal with what happened before you created your business. And then we ought to talk about nightlife after exit that's our main focus but tell me a tiny bit about how you even came to become an entrepreneur in the first place sure i grew up in a small commuter town outside aberdeen and for those who don't know aberdeen is the oil and gas capital of europe and my parents moved to aberdeen like many other families in the 80s for the oil and gas industry but i developed a keen interest in the environment and i actually ended up becoming a marine ecologist and I did work in the oil and gas industry. My job was to tell the, the engineers they couldn't throw chemicals in the sea. I was an environmental advisor. And I generally enjoyed my job, but I had a bit of an unconventional route into e-commerce because I got quite unwell uh, with a heart problem. I'm absolutely fine now, but for six months I got signed off work. I had to take a lot of strong drugs and stop all my fitness hobbies. And that was the catalyst for me starting a fitness brand. And that was in early 2016, and it, it all grew from there. Great. Nicely prepackaged uh, personal brand story, by the way, nicely done, which I think is important for a lot of people who are creating a brand. Yeah. So you started in 2016. So let's just take a whistle stop tour of the bit sure. we really focus on in this show. What happened next? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I wasn't, I decided that I would stay in touch with my fitness hobbies by developing better fitness products than I already had. And at this point I knew I had no background in business, no product development skills, no marketing skills. 
And I didn't even know that selling on Amazon as a third party was a thing. I thought that when you bought stuff on Amazon, you were buying it from Jeff. And all I knew, I, I think that worked to my advantage because actually I think if I'd known all that stuff and had been less naive, I probably would have been scared off of the model. So I wanted, I was brand first. I wanted to start a brand of fitness equipment and figure out as I went along where I would sell it. Initially, I thought I'd sell it into gyms and probably on my own website. And it was actually while waiting for my first prototype that I discovered you could sell on Amazon. And it grew from there. Amazon did indeed turn out to be a very important sales channel for me, the vast majority of my sales. We started in the UK. I moved across to Europe. I was one of the first sellers into Australia and then the United Arab Emirates. And after developing a, a suite of products for people who are interested in fitness, boxing, weightlifting, I sold the business in late 2019. So that's a very whistle-stop tour of the business, but it was a, a learn-by-doing process. But it was a bit, it was a bit more sophisticated than just trial and error because I had an unfair advantage because I have a background in science means that I understand how to test something, analyze the results, see what happens next and tweak according to what I see happening. And that, that allowed me to methodically grow the business. It certainly saved me a lot of money on, on potential spend that I, I didn't need to do because I was carefully tracking what was working as I went along. Yeah, nice. There's a whole ton of stuff that we talked to you before about, and doubtless will again, about brand development and the importance of that. And you've just mentioned scientific method, which is interesting. A lot of people think scientific method is the results, stuff that you can use like an iPhone. But I think scientific method, uh, a great physicist, Richard Feynman, talks about it, and it's about questioning assumptions and how you go about that in a structured way. So very interesting, but we're going to leave that one hanging for another podcast. Uh, we'll doubtless have you back on again because... Um, always educational to talk to you but we're going to be disciplined and stick to the topic which is you've done all that you started the brand you just casually created a brand that's fantastic enough to sell which is everyone's dream and sickening so you're one of those sickening people that that helps other people sell courses because you're the exception to the rule maybe but okay then you sold the brand so tell me a bit about what preceded the sale why did you sell a brand yeah. that was clearly so successful and to some extent sounds like quite close to your heart as well yeah, I'll always have a lot of affection for the brand. It was early 2019, I started to hear whispers that buying and selling e-commerce businesses was becoming more mainstream. Previously, if you'd spoken to the bank about wanting to buy an e-commerce business, they would have looked at you like you had two heads, right? People believe that these are not real big boy grown up businesses because they don't have physical roofs and doors and walls. And uh, a friend of mine, actually a mutual friend who's in, who's in a group with us had sold two much smaller businesses himself. And I, I got a bit of advice from him and I started to do a bit of research and I came to understand after doing some back of an envelope calculations that I could make some significant money by selling the business. And timing wise, it, it was quite good timing for my family and I, because we were expecting our first child. We wanted to leave house. I think I had just turned 32 or 31 and I was about to turn 31. And it, it seemed to me that it was an opportunity to essentially give us a, a great safety net and allow us to to realize some dreams that we wanted to realize. Nice. So I guess, first of all, it became possible, the business environment. Mm. And the second thing is your personal timing, really. By the way, 31, that's also sickening. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. You get a lot, so many of the, the cliches of this. But I guess the reason why is because you're very mindful about creating the business, it sounds, and also mindful about the fact that you were selling not, it sounds like for business reasons, but very personal reasons. Is that a fair summary? What else was behind the reason to sell? I think so. It just made sense to me. We were wanting to start a family. We wanted to move house. 
And I was at a crossroads. I could either continue to scale the business and I was at the point of either needing to build out a team locally or probably developing a much larger team than I had overseas. I was working with three freelancer team members over in the Philippines at the time. And I received some advice from my dad, uh, which was sell the business at the point of peak romance. And he didn't, he didn't make that up. He got that somewhere else as well. And basically what that means is you're at this point where you think, oh boy, this could be something huge. And therefore, if you sell it now, there's a lot of meat on the bone to attract a potential buyer and also allow you to have a decent asking price and allow you to have your cake and eat it by structuring the deal such that you can benefit from some of the upside. But at the same time, it's purely a romantic notion and it might not quite go as well as you potentially think it could. And that being the case, then you got out at the right time. And whilst yeah, like that is that. not very quantitative, that is very qualitative, almost a little bit wishy-washy, I do think it applies. Most of what I talk about in the space to do that is very quantitative, very analytical, very take the emotion out of it. But that's the one thing from that side of things that I, I do throw in there. Yeah. It's and it so just made sense for us. Yeah. I think that what strikes me about the, so much of it, as you say, is science, not, yeah, I say science, like the, the emotion doesn't belong in science, but that's absolutely untrue from the scientists I know. And the most passionate people I know is, was part of a Nobel prize winning scientific team. So that's a myth, but I guess, yeah, being very structured, very analytical, numbers driven, it strikes me a lot, a lot of it's about that, but the decision to sell never is. It strikes me that actually it has to be rationally managing the irrational, but there's even a book with that name, isn't it? I can't remember what it is. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah. In other words, you have to recognize that your intuition is your main guide and then you have to work with that in an intelligent way. So in other words, point romance, peak romance is, is a very intuitive feeling. And yet many, most people who've run a business uh, for long enough will know exactly what you mean, because there is a point where you're really in love with it. And then you get to the point where it gets to be a bit of a grind possibly. And then you go through another wave or you don't, yeah. but the, if you go through one wave and then sell at the bottom, I guess this is the worst case scenario, right? I know other people who are super passionate. We both know super passionate about building their business to a hundred million dollars a year, and they may well make it, but that's a series of peaks, isn't it? Not just yeah. one peak romance. Yeah. I think you made that something you mentioned there is suppose you felt a lot of enthusiasm for your business and you have to get up and go to work on it every day. And then you feel that dissipating. I wouldn't necessarily say that's a red flag, but I'd say that's an amber flag to start thinking about an exit. Because if you, the driving force behind your business, no longer has the passion for it, there is a danger that you will plateau or even enter into a decline that you may never recover from. And that would be a real shame when you could have sold it when you were doing much better. So that's something to think about. Yeah. And I guess the other thing that I've seen with business owners, one guy who's successfully exited a business was really not very decisive at all about whether he wanted to sell actually mm. he got a juicy offer and he went ahead but one reason i think it made sense for him is he's not a team builder he tried hiring a few people and it just wasn't his bag but he's very good at creating brands which is an entrepreneurial type of person and therefore for them i think it makes even more sense was that your sense about yourself that you didn't want to go down the route of being a manager and a team manager or so at the, that, i think that's a fair point at the time the whole idea of having to build out a team seemed quite an overwhelming prospect to me. As it happens, since exiting, I have been doing a lot more team building in my other ventures, but I think potentially that's because when you're, at the time I was under quite a lot of pressure. I needed this business to be a success. I ditched my day job. I needed to keep running it such that it was sellable and an attractive proposition for a potential buyer. And so the whole idea of having to build a team or a larger team that I already had was, you know, probably just a little 
too much. I think my glass was at capacity and selling the business for a whole variety of reasons that included was the right thing for me and my family at the time. And everybody's different. I talk to people all the time, all who have completely different, all entirely valid reasons for wanting to sell. Yeah, that's very interesting. And we can talk about this. Obviously, you're in a very unusual position, unlike most entrepreneurs who just sell and then move on to whatever else they do, which we'll talk about in a sec. As a business broker, I guess you to see a, a lot of that process now. But okay, you sold the business. And mm. tell me a bit about the the experience of, I suppose we could talk about two things. We ought to talk briefly about the experience of actually going through the selling process, which we have talked about before from nuts and bolts point of view with a ton of aggregators and brokers, of which, of course, you are one. But as entrepreneur, the business owner, how was that process for you? It was intense, amazing, frustrating, exciting, worrying. Let me try and Briefly give you the timeline. I try, I try not to open too many kinds of worms. I made the decision to start exploring the opportunity to sell in about February 2019. And I spoke with several brokers. At this point, who is the, they were quite the first, but they were the, the first aggregator to make it, so to speak, H- had only existed since September 2018. So they were only a few months old when I began to explore selling. And the whole idea of rolling up e-commerce businesses was still very new if not unheard of. I'd spoken to a few people who'd sold their businesses, albeit significantly smaller than mine, through some brokers slash listing style websites. And after approaching several, I, I settled on one and the process of working with them took, took quite a long time. And the business was went to market in September. We got the business under LOI and the deal was done on. The actual process itself was quite stressful because the broker I worked with made a couple of catastrophic errors that fortunately my accountant fixed. And that was the inspiration for starting a better brokerage. And then because of the timing, we had a prearranged trip, my wife and I, to go interrailing around Northern Italy with our um, four-month-old daughter. So I was pounding the streets of Venice and Florence by day and having due diligence calls with the various people at the buyer by night in budget hotels because it was all on a budget at the time. So that was quite stressful, knowing that the whole time I needed to get this right because I didn't want that the rug to be pulled out from under. But the deal was eventually concluded at four minutes to midnight on Halloween uh, 2019. And, and the reason I mentioned the four minutes to midnight thing is that I became aware that the buyer had a date by which they had to close the deal. Otherwise, the financial analysis that they had done run past their investors was no longer valid. Therefore, if that date slipped, they'd either have to do all the analysis again, or just move on to another opportunity and not buy my business. And so that was very stressful. And half past 11 at night, we had my lawyers, their lawyers on the phone, trying to get our heads around um, some very straightforward, completely legit tax issues. And eventually it was all fine at four minutes before the deadline, the deal was done. So pretty stressful, but very rewarding at the end. Wow. I have to say, that's the sort of thing that make for a great movie and terrible actual life experience. They're always yeah. diametrically opposite, right? What your functional couples, smoothly run teams at work always make for, you know, good life and a bad movie. But yeah, that is really quite near the deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what you said, by the way, just to reference that, I just I happen to know because we've had you and your e-com brokers business partner, Alison Walker, who is an accountant on a call with uh, in privately talking to a lot of smart people in the 10k collective mastermind of seven and even eight figure sellers and i can attest that the savvy that you jointly bring is really great and i think the fact you've got an accountant as part of your brokerage is a real plus and it's interesting that your broker made some errors that your accounting court 
And I wonder, mm. I guess that's one of the reasons you got Alison on board, right? We're not going down a rabbit hole here, but yeah, yeah. interesting. So obviously the reason that you created the brokerage was related to that experience. And then that's another sort of topic and quite specific to you. And obviously that's a reason to trust you as a broker, uh, if you're an Amazon business owner, but I guess that's not strictly a normal person, no. um, exit experience, but after all this then, so what was like life in the immediate post exit period then? It sounds like you had a lot of stress and you were trogging around Italy. Yeah. What happened next? So by this point. The deal was concluded by the time we were home in the UK. And the next day we went out for uh, burgers, at a perfectly ordinary restaurant and breathed a big sigh of relief and felt a little bit. And it was only several days later that the initial watch, watch your catch, if you want to call it that, for want of a more sophisticated phrase, landed in my bank account. And I, I took a screenshot and said, bank account's probably never going to be that going to see that big of a number again. And it, it was quite surreal. I was obviously still helping the new owners on, on a transition with the brand. There were various bits and pieces of admin to do, but for all intents and purposes, the business was sold. They owned it. And now we were into my earner. And I took some time to reflect on the things that I was good at and what I wanted to do going forward. I could have just retired, but that would be incredibly boring. And I played around with a few ideas. I was very good at email marketing. And so I, I played around with, with the ideas. Focusing on that, becoming kind of some kind of an email marketing consultant, realized I didn't want to do that. And after on reflection, I basically said that there's an obvious gap to the classic thing with entrepreneurs is you scratch your own itch, right? You solve your own problem. And there was an obvious gap here. The experience with my broker was poor and could have been catastrophic. Allison's got well over 25 years mergers and acquisitions experience. So the obvious thing was to combine our skill sets. I understand the cars. She understands mergers and acquisitions and accounts and has an entire accountancy firm to leverage. But at the same time, I didn't want to give up the passion I got for myself on brand building. So I'm still building brands. The difference now, of course, is that rather than with the first business, I, my first product was an order of um, 500 skipping slash jump ropes from China for a few bucks a unit. I'm now developing brands where I'm spending 40 grand on the design, and then the units are going to be at 35 bucks a unit. And it means I can enter niches that other people can't. And so the higher the barrier to entry, the happier I am because there's less competition. And it's all about building legit brands rather than things that you sell on Amazon. Ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed today's show talking with Ben Leonard of Econ Brokers, amongst other things. So um, as you gathered, Ben's really, really a person with his feet on the ground, um, straight up, but not aggressively, no nonsense, just a very competent guy, really, is, is my overwhelming impression of Ben. Um, I hope you enjoyed hearing from him. Obviously, a few interesting lessons about how um, he came to the decision to sell, a little bit about how it felt to sell, and then a bit about you know, immediate post-exit life. So I hope that gives you a bit of a flavor of what's on the other side of the, the rainbow that, you know, that, that a lot of us are chasing, a lot of my clients included. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave us a rating if you can as well on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, mark out a five if you like. Um, if you wanted to work with Ben, um, there are two real things that he's doing. His main focus is with e-com brokers. And if you are thinking of selling a business or wondering whether you have a sellable business on your hands, then just get in touch with them at ecombrokers.co.uk. That's ecom with one M, brokers.co.uk. I can say for a fact that having spoken in private with Ben before he even became a sort of any kind of um, name or thought leader in the industry that he's very sharp but also 
exactly as he seems on the podcast, very in, insightful, but very feet on the ground and low ego, high competence kind of guy. And his partner in Econ Brokers, Alison Walker, we've had on the podcast, runs an agency for, runs a, an accountancy rather, for Amazon sellers that specializes only in Amazon sellers who've got their own brand and is also a person with 20 odd plus years of mergers and acquisitions experience um, in the corporate sector. So incredibly good set of skills to bring to bear in in this situation. They're definitely people I would recommend to anyone privately and also now publicly to go and talk to if they're considering selling a business. No question that they are right at the top of my list. Um, The second thing is um, Ben did mention that if he can find an exciting project, he might take on one consulting client. So he really doesn't take on many or, or any as a rule. But if you think that might be relevant to you, if you need some input from Ben, and you think it might be exciting enough to interest a man who doesn't need the money necessarily for any particular reason and is obviously very busy, well, just email Ben, ben at benleonard.pro. That's B-E-N-L-E-O-N-A-R-D.pro. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll be continuing with um, the rest of Ben's um, life after exit journey in the next episode. But for the moment, thanks so much for listening to the amazing FBA podcast uh, family and today's 10k collective podcast uh, for six seven and eight figure amazon e-commerce sellers thanks so much speak to you in the next show